Good morning, everyone. How are we doing today? Children's Church can be dismissed. Hey, I was thinking this last week. Uh, I, I know I trademarked the uh, Children's Church Scram, but I'm going back on that idea. I want Children's Church Shuffle. And it's still CCS, so the trademark will still stand, so that's our new name, all right? Children's Church Shuffle. Um, and I don't intend to change it at all right now. So, uh, before I get started, a couple of little announcements. Uh, I got a birthday girl right here, pretty one up front. Yeah, today. 20 years old, full of uh, spunky personality and always lifts my spirit and great daughter. So, uh, celebrating her today. And today is the day. Also today, if you want to come down to uh, a live at five tonight, um, we got a kind of a neat day. We got a guest speaker for you, so you don't have to listen to me. Uh, we also got, we're going to have sloppy Joes. This will be real sloppy. Come on down. And we also got the, the newspapers going to be there taking pictures, so we'd like to have a full room. So if you thought about coming down just to check it out, this would be a great Sunday to come down. We'd love to have you. And you don't have to listen to me. Which you can say is a good thing because this sermon right today, it's the money sermon. <laughs> you don't want to hear it again, do you? You don't have to. You can come down and you don't have to listen to me. We've got uh, Dave Framstead from CEM is going to be speaking. And so he's, gonna, he's wonderfully encouraging to Christina and I. And so it'll be a good night. We'd love to have you come down. Um, money sermon. Who wants to hear that, right? Now, there's no reason this can't be fun. I got a, a different way of looking at it today. And so uh, and if you think it's not fun, what do you think? Could you get your mind off yourself for a second? What about me? You know what I'm saying? Uh, so uh, a little bit different today. You're going to attack it from a different way. Uh, you probably imagine that the cheerful giver verses would get in there on the money sermon. Um, I promise to you, I'm not going to use the cheerful because that ship's kind of f- f- sailed, hasn't it? We're either kind of grumpy or cheerful, and the giving goes along with that. So we've all heard that one before. So I'm not going to do any cheerful giver, uh, even though the Bible says we're supposed to be cheerful givers, and we should be cheerful givers. And just like Virgil said, God was a cheerful giver, and we should be one like him. I am not going to talk about the cheerful giver, okay? (sighs) Starting now. Starting now. All right, I'm going to go to uh, Joseph in the, Old, in the Old Testament. Not Jesus' pops, but uh, Joseph in the New Testament, or the Old Testament. I don't, I don't even have the right sermon up here. Oh, yeah, I do. It's just all messed up. I'll be careful. All right. I don't know what's wrong with me here. I'll tell you what it is. I was told AJ was going to be here. Where's AJ? Oh, oh, that's, I said I've been on my heels all morning. No AJ. All right. all right let's talk about joseph want to every time i have preached a money sermon it's always been when the economy hasn't been so good and so the thrust of the sermon has always been hey there's no better time to give and invest in god because he's not going to throw you 
You're not going to lose with him. Even if the economy's bad or not so good, stock market's down or whatever, God's always going to be solid. He's a solid investment every time. But the economy's kind of good right now, so that helps me talk about this. And also, just a little bit of a different idea from Joseph. This could be fun, huh? All right. Now, as we were singing, and I'm interested to see how many of you saw this myself. As we were singing and the lyrics were up there, I saw the words I am in one of the songs. And it was, there was an apostrophe. And I thought, that's a misspelling. Well, then I looked closer and it was the firelight from the candle. Raise your hand if you saw it. It's like an OCD thing. I caught it right there. It's like, like a squirrel, right? During a money sermon, there's all kinds of things that can throw your attention, right? You're going to find them. They're, they're out there. Hang on to this one. This is a good one, all right? This will be a fun one. Because the economy's good. And it's a different one than you've ever heard. And we've got our harvest offering coming up. We already talked about that. Tis the season for giving, right? So here we go. Money. This is Genesis 41. Pharaoh said to Joseph, In my dream I was standing on the bank of the Nile, when out of the river there came up seven cows, fat and sleek, and they grazed among the reeds. After them, seven other cows came up, scrawny and very ugly and lean. This is going good so far, huh? I had never seen such ugly cows in all the land of Egypt. The lean, ugly cows ate up the seven fat cows that came up first. But even after they ate them, no one could tell that they had done so. They looked just as ugly as before. Then I woke up. (laughs) See, I told you it'd be fun. Well, he continues. In my dreams, I also saw saw seven heads of grain, full and good, growing up on a single stalk. After them, seven other heads sprouted, withered and thin and scorched by the east wind. The thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven good heads. I told this to the magicians, but none could explain it to me. Thank goodness Joseph was there, right? Next verse, verse 25, Joseph said to Pharaoh, The dreams of Pharaoh are one and the same. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. Pharaoh has a dream. This, by the way, is the way that Joseph gets out of jail. He's able to interpret the dream because nobody else could. And so we've skipped over a bunch of facts and a whole bunch of faith growing that Joseph had to go through being falsely imprisoned. And he gets his chance because he's able to interpret this dream. And his first day out of jail, as a shot at interpreting this dream and staying out of jail... The guy gives glory to God. It's not me that knows how to figure out your dream. God's giving me the power to do it. And God's telling you what's about to happen, Pharaoh. God's on your team, man. All right, so Joseph is now teaching Pharaoh that God is the one that's in charge. That he can give, that he can take away. He calls the shots. He knows the future. He owns it all. Simple stuff, right? But Pharaoh has a very riveting experience because he's had this dream that moved him. And now he's finally found a guy that's able to interpret it. And so this is what Joseph says in verse 26. The seven good cows 
are seven years, and the seven good heads of grain are seven years. It is one and the same dream. The seven lean, ugly cows that came up afterward are also seven years, and so are the seven worthless heads of grain scorched by the east wind. They're seven years of famine. It is just as I said to Pharaoh. God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Seven years of great abundance are coming throughout the land of Egypt, but seven years of famine will follow them. Then all the abundance in Egypt will be forgotten and the famine will ravage the land. The abundance in the land will not be remembered because the famine that follows will be so severe. Only God controls the future. No matter what, you can't change the course of events. Even if you have structured your financial portfolio for wealth, there might be a time when all of that's forgotten because there's a famine in the land. Only God knows what's happening in the future, and you and I don't have any control over it. So investing in him is not the best. It is the only way to go. All right, no matter what, we can't change what God has going on. So God doesn't need us to give. Psalm 50 says, I have no need of a bull from your stall or the goats from your pens. For every animal of the forest is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills is all mine. All of this, God says, all of it's mine. I don't need anything from you. But I would like to help you. Because you don't know what the future holds. And I want to meet all of your needs. A part of that is your decisions that you make right now. So, God owns, we manage. Really, all I had to do was stand up here and say those four words. <laughs> Probably should have. God owns, we manage. That's what Joseph is going to say. And Joseph's going to convince Pharaoh and all the land to actually do that. And that's how we learn from this story how we can also manage as well. Now, consider this. Seven good years followed by seven bad. Right now... You and I are fortunate enough to sit in the time, in history, in a country that's economy is flourishing. You should consider yourself fortunate. Many people through thousands and millennia years of history have never been able to say that. People under dictatorships are not able to say that. You and I sit in a good time. What are we going to do with it? There was a jobs report that came out just the other day. It blew away all the consensus projections. But not only that, it said that in spite of some fears that the economy was going to cool really fast and go into a recession, those job figures showed there's no recession coming. And it brought a lot of security to the entire financial world. Now, if that's not enough... People have been withholding their money from the economy, from the stock market and such, because there was whispers of that recession that was to come. Probably now, those folks are going to put their money into the economy. And so many of the people said, it's only going to get better as that happens. What are we going to do with that? We got seven years of good right now. What are you going to do with it in your family? What are we as a church going to do with that? Nothing. 
What are we going to do with it? We sit in a fortunate time. How do we take advantage of it? The stock market sets records. So the financial people that know better than you and I, they know something's going on and that it's good and that they're comfortable. How can we be comfortable and catch a vision for what's going on? If it's a good time to invest in God when the economy's not good, what do we say right now? What do we do right now? Do we even know? Probably the media is not going to tell you that things are going really good. That's why this was a surprise, this last latest job numbers. It was much higher than what the consensus was thinking it was going to be. Consumer sentiment, which means how much you and I spend, is off the charts right now. So most people are thinking, you know, things are all right. There's plenty of jobs out there to be had. Wages for each individual are increasing by 3%. We haven't seen that kind of stuff in long time. Unemployment is meeting records, beating records that have just set. It resets another one. Have you woken up to where we are in our economy? You should, because it's an opportunity right now. Not only is it an opportunity, but these things don't last. God causes empires to rise and fall. This good economic time will fall. I told you last time I'm not a prophet. You can just know that though. What are you doing now to help yourself when it does fall? How do we as managers of what God owns take advantage of this opportunistic time? Well, I'm glad you asked. Got some management principles from Daniel right here. Number one, seek wise counsel. That would probably not be the media. <laughs> they were wrong. Again. Seek, the, seek wise counsel. Finances are a personal matter, and you and I are tempted to leave it that way. Maybe we're trying to hide some messes that are back there. Maybe it doesn't look so good. We don't want other people to know about it. But we need to get some good godly advice And if we are avoiding others in our finances, that's probably a good red flag that some of our habits are not healthy. We should rethink that one. Seek wise counsel. If Pharaoh, as we'll see in a minute, sought the counsel of somebody else, probably we should too. My income is not as good as his. If it were, then I could say, don't need you. But my income as it is, a shade underneath his, He's got nothing on me. I should probably seek counsel too, right? Give others that you trust the permission to tell you what their good godly opinions are that you should do. There's not a soul on earth that is not chased after some sort of money-making scheme and it didn't work. All of us can, can, from our problems and our failures in the past, can give it good advice. You find somebody that you trust. Proverbs 28 is some wisdom here. He who works his land will have abundant food, but the one who chases fantasies will have his fill of poverty. Someone can save you from a mistake and they can head you off into the wrong, right direction. It isn't always easy to decide what to buy, what not to buy, a stock, a real estate purchase. So get some prudent minds involved like Daniel's. Number two, 
Store up an emergency fund. Now, I know that you've heard Dave Ramsey say that, right? Well, this is Pharaoh Ramsey's, and he's going to tell you the same thing. Same exact thing. Verse 34, let Pharaoh, Daniel tells him, appoint commissioners over the land to take a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. So they're socking it away. It's a genius move, all the common sense in the world, but you see they're saying 20%. I've always heard, you know, set aside three to six months for your expenses in case something happens. Save 10% every month, right? Good, solid financial advice that you probably already know. But the gravity here is so magnetic and it's such a crucial situation. They're saving 20. And they actually listen to this one guy. And things are good right now. There's no, there's no, nothing indicating a recession or a famine. 20%? Probably the people are going to say, good grief, we've saved enough, don't you think? For crying out loud. But they listen. The Christian financial experts say the same thing. Put enough away in case something that you don't see happens. The wisdom is in Proverbs 21. In the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil. That's the house of the wise. But the house of the foolish man devours all he has. The New Living Translation for that verse says, Fools spend whatever they get. Daniel came to Pharaoh and said, you got to save, man. You got to save. I think Daniel would say the same thing to us. Number three, got to establish your own financial plan. First fruits to the Lord. He owns it all. It stands to reason that we should give some back to him, giving a percentage to him that I believe is what he's leading me to give. Um, a budget is a spending diet. You ever thought of it that way? Tithing will spiritually restructure not only your pocketbook, but also your insides. It changes you from within. As we listen to God and obey, we become that cheerful. I said it. Oh, well, sorry. All right, so in verse 35, Daniel says that those commissioners should collect all the food of these good years that are coming and store up the grain under the authority of Pharaoh to be kept in the cities for food. This food should be held in reserve for the country to be used during the seven years of famine that will come upon Egypt so that the country may not be ruined by the famine. Okay, I know there's no famine But what if something happened to you today? Would it ruin you? What if something not foreseen happens? Are you going to be ruined? Now's the time to start. The plan seemed good to Pharaoh and to all his officials. So they begin disciplining themselves. And debt can be a suffocating force that will affect more than just your checkbook. It changes you for the worst. The wisdom here is Proverbs 22. The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. So don't allow yourself to be a borrower. That's, debt is a shackle. 
around you. Prevents all the opportunities. You know, I, I've lived most of my adult life with a mortgage. Uh, everybody hates a mortgage, but it's kind of one of those necessary evils, isn't it? Well, I am so mad that because I own a school building that's labeled a commercial building, I'm unable to get a mortgage. Oh, it just made me mad. But you can twist that and say, oh, I'm unable to get a mortgage. Good thing. So all of the money that I've put into that has been different than a 30-year or a 15-year mortgage. I've got it all paid for by way of three years. So in three years, I'll have everything paid off and I'll be debt-free. And if I get the snowball rolling, maybe even sooner than three years. Three years as compared to the 30-year thing that I've always had feels really good. Really good. Try your best. Get rid of that debt. It will make you, and it probably has already made you a slave. Number four, stick with your plan. See, I'm not saying anything earth-shattering, am I? But this is probably some good medicine, right? Envelope system, you started it, you quit, didn't you? <laughs> the snowball thing, you tried to get it going, well, all of a sudden, the snow melted, huh? Stick with the plan. The Bible says that Pharaoh thought it would be good to put Joseph in charge. Good move. And Joseph was going to stick with the plan. Verse 47, during the seven years of abundance, the land produced plenty. Well, who's the financial? Maybe there's something good there we need. Okay. All right. I couldn't hear it, but it was probably better than what I'm about. No. So, so verse 47, Joseph collected all the food produced in those seven years of abundance in Egypt, and he stored it in the cities. In each city, he put the food grown in the fields surrounding it. Joseph stored up huge quantities of grain, like the sand of the sea. It was so much that he stopped keeping records because it was gone beyond measure. Hey, that sounds good, doesn't it? Maybe if you and I could stick with the plan, get rid of the debt so that our maybe meager income is all income rather than debt alignment, all of a sudden you and I can become cheerful because we probably don't even need to keep track anymore because there will always be enough with the regular paycheck. Wouldn't that be nice? We could give to God. We could help people out. We could search for people just at a gas station. Go up and give them a $20 bill and say, just wanted you to know God loved you. Can you do that right now? Does that thought enter your head? Those are opportunities and your debt is robbing you of them. So let's stick to the plan, huh? Let's get the financial diet, stick to the plan, and make it happen. Sound good? The economy's great. So our hearts should be great as well. I told you, there's no reason this can't be fun. I see a couple grimaces. This is fun. This is opportunity. We can be positive about it. You ain't got to listen to the news anymore because the news doesn't need to affect you anymore. You can be full of vibe and zest 
when it comes to being financially secure in God. So Joseph stuck with it and he saved up huge. I bet there's a real temptation with the folks in that day to just say, okay, enough. I mean, gee whiz, it's overflowing. What in the world do we need? But Joseph knew what needed to happen. He had instituted the plan to cover the seven years of famine. And he knew it and he stuck with it. Easy to nod our heads and say, I need a budget. It's great to talk about that envelope system or whatever you choose to use. But hey, now comes the time for consistency in playing it out. Every little detail of it, consistency. That might mean eating before you go to the grocery store. That might help, right? We've got to do what we got to do. And Joseph stuck with the plan, even though probably people complained. Nope, this is what we got to do. Tough to swallow our pride. When we see the gang eating at Macaroni Grill, but the budget says McDonald's, it's kind of tough, huh? When you want to buy the BMW, but the budget says VW, kind of tough, right? Stick with the plan. After a little while, you can have fun doing it. Once the snowball gets rolling. All right, verse 53. The seven years of abundance in Egypt came to an end and the seven years of famine began. Just as Joseph had said, there was famine in all the other lands, but in the whole land of Egypt, there was food. When all Egypt began to finally feel the famine, the people cried to Pharaoh for food and Pharaoh told them, the Egyptians, go to Joseph, do what he tells you. When the famine had spread over the whole country, Joseph opened up the storehouses and sold grain to the Egyptians for the famine was severe throughout Egypt and all the countries came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph because the famine was severe in all of the world. And you can remember, that's how Joseph's family got down to Egypt, settled in Egypt, began to grow and be populous in Egypt and turned into a nation within Egypt, they had to come down and buy grain because in Canaan, the famine was so severe. And that's how they escaped, crossed the Red Sea to freedom. God knows the future. He'd already told Abraham all of that stuff was going to happen. And now here, Abraham's great-grandson, Joseph, is fulfilling it all and telling them, here's how you survive. And the common sense that he gave them, common sense for us as well. We've got an opportunity. Okay, so Joseph firmly believed that God owns and we manage. Two observations about Joseph, and then we'll call it quits. Joseph was always looking out for his master, both the earthly master and his heavenly master. Even while he was in prison, he abided in God and trusted and had faith in God. Obviously, if he can do that, he can be in charge of a nation like he was. He had the penniless citizens bring their flocks and hordes uh, and herds in to trade for their grain. When they lost all, when they had traded in all their animals, they traded in their land. And so they gave everything to Pharaoh. So Joseph was faithful to Pharaoh in all of this. 
But he was also good to the people. Because once they traded in their land to get grain to eat, Joseph then also said, here are seeds. Go and plant on the land. He didn't take the land away. He owned it so that they would continue to give back to Pharaoh to get through the famine. But he said, you work the land and you'll have food to eat and I will give you food to eat. Here's seeds for you to plant it. Good man. Man, that's who we need in charge, don't you think? Well, at least we can take his advice. The response of the populace, the ravaged populace of Egypt is verse 25. You have saved our lives. They said, may we find favor in the eyes of our Lord. We will be in bondage to Pharaoh. We're okay. We'll do what you say because you've saved our lives. So Joseph was shrewd, but he was also gracious. Gracious to always do what was right by his heavenly master, not only his earthly one as well. Number two thing about Joseph. Joseph was always giving glory to God. Chapter 41 of Genesis Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream, no one can interpret it. But I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. You must be pretty special, Joseph. Joseph says, I cannot do it. But God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. The message, I can't, but God can. This wasn't a time for Joseph's advancement. Although he got out of jail, he still gave God the glory. Pharaoh could have got the interpretation and said, okay, I'm done with you. After 13 years of being in prison, Joseph still entrusted himself to God. And you are not in prison. In fact, you are free in a free country, full of opportunity right now. Trust in God. Use it, manage as if you are in a good situation that he has given to us. Remember Joseph's words. I can't, but God can. Put your trust in him. A cattle, the cattle on a thousand hills is his. Let us act likewise. All of our excuses have been removed. We are in a time of great opportunity even greater than the everyday. There's always opportunity with God, even more so now. So, as you consider the harvest offering, as you consider your personal finances, and as you consider the people around you who may have needs, this is the time. You're in good shape. It's time to give. Let God cover your bases. Let God put back into your hands what you let out of your hands. Release your hands a little bit. Let some of it flow through and drop out. In fact, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Whatever it is, we got to get it right right now, friends. Because when we go up there, it's going to be said, you lived in those days and what did you do? Did you give to your neighbor? Did you visit those who were in prison? What did you do with the opportunities that were given you, especially now? Let's pray. Father in heaven, 
This is the one we rarely ever get right. This is the one This is the one that is a spiritual indicator. God, I pray our hearts can be through and through good for you. Giving, joyful, all of this, God. There's some work that you want to do on our hearts. And much of it is done through this simple thing, the worldly thing of finances. Thank you for Joseph. Thank you for his advice. Thank you. We can see from the scriptures that the stuff actually works if we put you to the test. God, we know you'll throw open the floodgates of heaven. Why don't we try you and put you to test on that? I pray this week that we have received a message of optimism and we can put it to work. Thank you, Father, that we live in these times. They're good times. No reason we shouldn't be happy. Help us, Father. Give us wisdom. Guide us on what to do. It's in your name we pray. Amen.